Welcome back to Mothering Earth. I'm Salwa Khan. Our focus in this program is on permaculture, which is a philosophy, a process, and a practice. Permaculture was the creation of two Australians, Bill Mollison, who taught environmental psychology, and one of his students, David Holmgren. Their aim was to design a sustainable and self-sufficient system of food production. While classic permaculture involves a lot more than food production, the basic principles of creating a self-sustaining food garden can be applied in any home garden. My guest, Caroline Riley, teaches a course for adults on permaculture, has a permaculture garden, and runs a school for children, which teaches them about permaculture. I'm here today with Caroline Riley, and we're in uh, Austin, Texas, and we're sitting actually in a yurt, uh, which is a really neat structure, uh, but we're just a, f a little distance from a road, so you may hear some road noises as we speak. Um, I'd like to welcome you, Caroline, to Mothering Earth, and um, ask you to tell us a little bit about your uh, place here, the Whole Life Learning Center. Uh, and then how it relates to permaculture. Yes, thank you so much for having me. Um, yeah, we are here at the Whole Life Learning Center and where we are a school, and we serve youth ages 3 to 14, and we also host adult classes here. And it's a wonderful place. Uh, the school itself is rooted, the philosophy is rooted in permaculture design ethics, uh, as well as many different holistic education models. So we are immersed in the subject in every level here. <laughs> okay. And, you know, a lot of people may have heard the term permaculture, mm -hmm. uh, and I know you've taught a course on permaculture and continue to do that here at the school and elsewhere. So um, give us a sort of a broad overview of what permaculture really is. Yes. Uh, permaculture design, it's a, it's a design system where we're working with nature and nature systems and flows instead of against it. And the idea is that we're creating a, a system that is integrated into the earth, that is um, working with the sun's flows and water and wind and is creating a space of abundance where over time it is more and more prolific mm -hmm. and, um, yeah, diversity, growing diversity and stability. Yeah, so we're going to talk about all the different aspects of uh, permaculture. But um, just to uh, reiterate, one of the things that it, uh, the whole philosophy is about is about self-sufficiency, yes. right? Yes. Am I correct in that? Yes. Okay, <laughs> and sustainability. Yes. One of the main principles of permaculture is to observe and interact. That's sort of a foundational principle. Can you talk about what that is and how it works in real life? Yes, it's the starting place. Uh, the idea is that how can we create a design without being in the terrain? And how can you have any kind of sense of place without knowing that site through the seasons, uh, you know, knowing the difference of the way the sun hits the land in the winter months versus the summer months? And you know, we can look at topography maps as much as we want, but the map is never the terrain. And... Uh, Bill Mollison, the, the father of permaculture design, he said that ideally you could observe a site for a year before implementing something. And I like to say that, you know, start with a small 
herb plot and veggie garden. It's hard to live without that for a year and get your hands in the earth and start small and work out from there. So to the interaction part is just that, you know, to really become part of the place, create that sense of place so that you know where the water's running when it rains and we can use that working with it. Right. So now you have a, a permaculture garden. Is it called a garden or a farm or what should I call it? We are becoming a farm more and more, but I call it gardens. We gardens. haven't closed the loop as much. We sell eggs here and, right. and some fresh cut herbs and uh, yes, but we're not, we don't have a farm stand or anything. So how did, that. how did you begin when using the principle of observe and interact? I began in an urban lot. I began at a house where I lived for eight years in Barton Hills in the center of Austin. And I began sitting on my back porch and watching the space. And I started with a four by 10 garden. I had that for a year and then added another garden the next season and another one planted some fruit trees the next year, got bees and chickens and, you know, continually composting and just working those things into the space, um, observing the water and created earthworks to capture the water and move it through the land and around the house safely. I, in that site, I think I grew more food than I have in this large space because it was mine and my little family's. Here we have so many hands. It really is an educational center where we take on some experiments that work really well, right. and sometimes they don't, and there's a lot of fun to that. Yeah. yeah. So, so I guess, uh, I mean, what I'm learning from this is that permaculture really is a long-term process. It's not something it you just do one time and that's the end of it. No. There's kind of a miss nomer that permaculture design is about designing a garden where people can create it and walk away and don't have to do anything um i know that gardens need people that you know that's it's it's just as important we're a part of the system we're an important element in that so if we want to direct what's growing where or where where we have our animals moving then we need to be present in that system and plants thrive with humans working them. Uh, it's a direct relationship. We are part of the landscape. So it is a long-term project and it, it's an ongoing process. There's no end goal to permaculture design. It, the, I mean, maybe the end goal is, is thriving and being able to live on the site and every goal for design is different. And that's really the first step you, know, you observe and you create a goal for a specific site right. and, and work on that and have it, it's life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so um, another important aspect of permaculture is about uh, how you use plants. So you use plants to, uh, I think I read somewhere, it's sort of like to support mm-hmm, each other. Gilding. So, yeah, so talk about that. How does that work in real life? It works beautifully. When I think of it as functions. So every plant serves you know, in nature, many functions and different plants support the needs of others. And so to place those plants next to each other so that one plant is mulching the other and when it blooms, it is inviting insects in to help pollinate a fruit tree. And uh, another tree is mining nutrients in the soil that helps a fruit tree set and grow more fruit and thrive in our, our harsh environment here in central Texas. It's, it's hard to grow food here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the, the plants are working together 
And as a designer, I try to place plants in relationship so that they can do the work for each other and I help them along. <laughs> this is Salwa Khan. You're listening to Mothering Earth and I'm here with Caroline Riley and we're talking permaculture. When we talk about plants supporting each other, can you give us a sort of a practical uh, picture of what that is? Yes. Um, so out in our forest garden, we have many different fruit trees. And I'll use our, a pear tree as an example. So in the middle of this particular plant guild, we have a pear tree. And around the base, we've planted bunching onions, perennial onions, that help suppress the grass from growing around its mm -hmm. trunk. They don't mm -hmm. like that at all. And we can eat those onions as we go. <laughs> so we have onions around the base of the tree. And then around that, we have yarrow, which is a nutrient-accumulating plant that blooms and brings insects in. We also have comfrey, which is an amazing plant that creates mulch and also harvests nutrients from the soil. We have uh, lavender and sage and oregano even growing around the fruit tree that are living mulch and a herbaceous layer to protect the soil. And then outside of that, we have more bunching onions to, to stop the grass from growing in. And, uh, and those are around the drip line of the tree. Another principle of permaculture is to capture and store energy. So what does that, what does that mean in, in well, your garden? In my garden, especially here in Central Texas, water, water, yeah. water, water. And we go such long periods without any and then we can get 14 inches in a couple days. And it's something that can be really destructive and it is also a life force and is an amazing resource. So here we started, the first thing we did when we moved on to the Whole Life Learning Center site, there was just a building, no fences, no gardens. Oh, and a flagpole. <laughs> it kind of looked like a post office. <laughs> and we're on a little more than an acre and a half. And the first thing we did was we created earthworks. So berm and swale system up in the front of the property. I'm sorry, a what? A berm and swale. So a berm is a mound, mm -hmm. and a swale is a level ditch. Right. And the swale is it's directed so that water is coming downhill, and it fills up the swale, and the water infiltrates into the berm or the mound. Right. And it, it's directed directly at the roots of the plants, the trees that we've planted on the berms. And it, it also charges a pond. We have a small pond up there. So all the water that flows through this property is being captured and moved through that system before right. we let it go off the property. And in the context of capturing and storing energy, that's just one way that we're capturing and storing water here. Right. And we also capture 10,000 gallons of rainwater off of our roof and have that to use in our greenhouse and the gardens to keep the city water off right. of our soil as much as possible. And then, right. of course, municipal water is another way to to use the water if we need to right that's my third so yeah we have the groundwater rainwater capture and then we go to municipal when, right. when the cisterns are empty is the concept of a rain garden is that part of yes. permaculture okay. yes the permaculture yes. umbrella is very large yeah so anything that is promoting sustainability and and regeneration so yeah. the earth being grown to be more diverse than we found it um right. 
is a part of that. Rain gardens are wonderful. We had so talk about that, and and that does uh, tie in really to the berms. And it the does. Spirals, right? It does. We had a rain garden at our urban home, and the way it works is the water comes off of your roof and through a gutter and into the landscape where you dig an infiltration basin. It is a level basin with a so it's like a depression in a the depression earth. in the earth. Okay. Mm-hmm. And the downhill side can have a little berm so that it can fill up. And then anything that catches water needs an outlet. <laughs> and we had one where the water, it would fill up, and the water would actually go out down onto a lower terrace where we had more berms and swales that it would move through. Mm-hmm. And I did not have any irrigation on that side of our yard. I planted native plants that could live with a lot of water, but also could live with no water at all. You're listening to Mothering Earth. We're talking about permaculture today with Caroline Riley, and we'll be right back after this break. We're back now. You're listening to Mothering Earth. I'm Salwa Khan, and we're here in Austin. We're sitting in a yurt, a really neat building, um, at the Whole Life Learning Center with Caroline Riley. Um, and because we're in a yurt, you may hear some uh, traffic noises and other noises as we speak. Mm-hmm. The idea from permaculture is using edges. Yes. I think this is a very fascinating idea that requires some explanation. I love the Can concept you talk of about edge. Yeah. Edge is where any two things come together. So land and water, the earth and the air, uh, maybe the edge of a forest and a field. And where those two ecosystems come together there is a unique crossover there and there will be its own diversity explosion where the two things come together. So there'll be species that only grow where those two elements touch. And we can use that natural concept (laughs) to, in, in our design. And so designing with curvy lines so that there's as much um, edge edge is possible. Okay. Yeah, it helps promote diversity. A pond that isn't a perfect circle or even a square, which I've seen some mm-hmm. stock tanks that are square, there's very little edge there compared to a pond where there's some curvy lines uh, where certain plants and animals will live. So now when you, when you uh, design your garden, how do you think about that? Is just just that you want curves rather than straight lines? The curves instead of straight lines. Even a simple arch can capture water in a way that a straight bed won't. Right. Um, when I'm planting in a garden bed, instead of planting in rows, I plant in diamonds, yeah. which means I can plant. I can fit way more plants in that space, right. and each of them are touching another plant in a way where that edge is happening. And I also rarely plant the same thing in one row. I, I do polyculture gardens, which okay. is using the concept of edge by planting a, a diverse group of plants together that work together. So there you're using two principles. One is the idea of plants supporting each other and diversity. Mm-hmm. Well, three. I know. Actually. And that's part of it. Is yeah. It's impossible. They overlap. It's impossible to only use one you know, and another principle is that every function is supported by three elements, and every element has three functions. So they <laughs> wait. <and> let's, <laughs> sorry, study that. We'll just, give me an example of that. So, if 
Every function is supported by three elements. We, we spoke about water earlier. So the function of water, if it's rainwater capture off a building, earthworks and municipal water, say, or well water, that would even be a fourth. Um, and then every function, or sorry, every element performs three functions. Uh, a tree is a really great example. You know, if a tree is an element in design, you put a tree in relationship to a building where it is casting shade to cool a building down and is uh, habitat for wildlife. It, maybe it's a pecan tree and it's growing food. Um, trees okay. naturally grow soil mm-hmm. and capture yeah. you know, minerals from the wind and stuff. And then in the permaculture uh, system, there's the issue, issue of how you deal with waste. So how do you well, first of all, what is waste in the garden? I always, I know, I try to view waste as an unused resource. And I feel like when I look at it in that context, then it opens up the idea of, oh, if this is just an unused resource, how can I put it back into the system and the site? So in some things we're looking at are plant waste. And it's a great opportunity to use as mulch or to compost, which is then you know, decomposing and turning into food for the soil, for the plants. Um, There's always, plastic is everywhere. That's a hard one. And I've seen people get really creative with plastic bags and and weave them and crochet them into things. And I'm like, oh, (laughs) trash into crafts, which I actually learned about when I was traveling in Africa. I was so inspired and then came back and was like, oh, people are doing this. It's one way to use our plastic bags. that one's probably the hardest, yeah. the plastic. But anything that's coming from the earth, our animals, the reason we have our goats and chickens here is because they are really transmuting that plant waste into food for us, into eggs. And goat droppings are amazing for compost in the garden. So so uh, how do you use your... How are the animals recycling your... Garden waste? They are recycling our garden waste. And here at the Whole Life Learning Center, I joke that we're overstocked with people and children. We have over 100 kids here. And uh, so this year we actually created a community compost program where our parents pick up five-gallon buckets, take them home, fill them up with their compostables, bring them back, drop the bucket off, and grab a clean one. And I use that waste to help feed the chickens um, we turn it in with the hay and um, goat waste that's all in mean, the bedding is covered in goat stuff. So yeah. I turn that in and the, our eggs are so dark orange and delicious. And then we turn around and sell the eggs. So I kind of see it as a booster program right. Right. <laughs> for the school. So the, the, the chickens and the goats are eating... Eating. Like vegetable peelings, mm-hmm. things like that. Anytime right? we trim trees, we have a lot of plant matter that is coming out of our food forest garden area Uh, in the spring and summer tons of grasses and I mean a weed I just see a weed as a plant growing where I don't want it and that happens Mm -hmm. uh, especially with ragweed and sunflowers goats love ragweed they love sunflowers so do the chickens all of our trees goats are browsers so they prefer the woody plants to the grasses so we have tons of mulberries and um, other other shrubby things that I'll cut back to keep the paths clear. And they love it. It keeps them happy. 
Another principle that's very important is diversity. So now you mentioned that a little while ago, but talk more about why that's, why is diversity important? Diversity is stability. When, when we are, just go back to the garden example. If I'm growing all kale and some, a pest comes through and eats all my kale, I'm hungry. If I'm growing kale and lettuces and carrots and beets and radishes, uh, then there's more of a chance of having a larger yield. And on top of that, many different varieties of each of those things. Right. Then right. even more so, it's creating more of a yield. Yeah. And more health of a space. And, and does that also relate to the idea of um, plants supporting each other? So if you've got, um, obviously, if you just had one plant, uh, one type of plant, then you don't, you, you're not taking advantage of that at all. Right, right. Um, yes, it, it goes goes with that for sure. Um, diversity in nature, and that's what nature is working towards, is diversity. Uh, you know, I think of prairies as an example. <laughs> Some people think of prairies as lawns. It's, it's not just grass. A prairie is full of many different species of plants and the purposes that it can... It can sustain many different types of animals. You're listening to Mothering Earth. I'm Salwa Khan, and I'm here with Caroline Riley, and we're talking about uh, all the different principles involved in permaculture. Um, and, and there are also ethical principles that kind of underlie the whole philosophy. Um, can you talk about, I understand there's three main mm -hmm. uh, ethical points that are important? Yeah, there's the three ethics of permaculture, which is the foundation of the design method, and it's earth care, people care, and the third one is the one that really ties it together, uh, reinvesting surplus and really putting a checks, checks and balances on ourselves and our consumption, uh, and that one, I feel, sets the permaculture design apart from other sustainable design models. Uh, so, you know, we can, we can think about and design to keep the earth in mind, so we're not using chemical fertilizers when on the earth and um, growing organically and uh, and people care. It's people we need other people. <laughs> Considering community is a part of the design, our health. I think we grow a lot of medicinal plants here and use plants as our medicine. Um, and then the, th the third one, if we have an excess of eggs, we sell them to the community. If our plum tree has an amazing year, an amazing yield, we can make jam and save it, or we can give plums out to families and even go out there and just eat as many plums as possible, <laughs> enjoy it, uh, but not hoarding that yield, and which turns into waste. So the idea is to create no waste. So, so and, and, and the idea is also to... Um, I don't know what the word is, but you know, it's like you're um, you're not taking more than your share. Right? Is that the concept that I'm going for? Mm -hmm. Some people yeah. uh, refer to that third ethic as fair share, which I believe is a little bit of um, a misunderstanding. And there is the piece of yeah, share what yeah. we have, and also in the system we need to use what we need. And the idea of reinvesting surplus means take what you need and use it within that system. Right. Uh, and, you know, 
if community people care is a part of it, definitely why why not design a space and naturally these systems create more than we need. And that's my one of my favorite things about permaculture design is that it so quickly turns into a community affair. I see people creating these permaculture gardens in their front yards and so quickly they have way more than they need and they get to know their neighbors really quickly and their their site becomes a community hub. Give us a sort of a brief uh, overview of the whole concept of permaculture and the different elements within it. Right. So there is a process, the design process. And we spoke earlier about observation. So we start by observing a site and we create a design, a conceptual design. And from that, we're choosing different elements to put on a site. And it's all about the relationship. So sure, rainwater catchment is a part of permaculture, but really it's the rainwater catchment in relationship to the things around it. And uh, so then we implement, right? We create our design and we implement our ideas. And then a really important piece after that is feedback. So then we take another while and we observe and we receive feedback from what we've created. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the times it's like, wow, this really works and that needs some tweaking. It's a huge part of it. So we accept the feedback and we move things around and continue to work on the site, maybe adding more elements and as we go and receive more feedback, change some things around, add some more stuff. Um, that's really the design process. Uh, and it starts, really, it's a part of the goal. So all these things that we're choosing are a part of a overall goals. There's a lot of good information about permaculture online and in books. Check it out and see whether it can work for you. Until next time, this is Salwa Khan signing off for Mothering Earth. Mm-hmm.